Is it hour two of Nitro? No, it is World War Three, nineteen ninety six. Brought to you by World Championship Wrestling, live from Norfolk, Virginia, in the scope. And of course, we are the Attitude Air Wrestling Review Podcast, bringing you this review of this wonderful. Why did I say wonderful? I'm not sure why. This okay pay per view from nineteen ninety six. It was in, I didn't write the date down. I always do. And I forgot November 24th, 24th, November 24th, 1996. I guess I got to look at the next nitros at all. It's the day before, but I'm not that smart. But yeah, November 24th, apparently 1996. And I am your reigning, defending, undisputed, 2020 armchair booker of the year 2021 finalist and gary roberts i have got some words for you we'll get to that later drew is my name and you heard those soothing tones coming out of those that windpipe those vocal cords of the gods that would be my tag team partner the man with a plan arnold Prime time. Kids, I have to edit that out. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was uh, quite the introduction. Well Greatly deserved. Appreciate that. Greatly appreciated. Ouch! As I hurt myself on my desk here. I was trying uh, to. Do, I was trying <laughs> to do my Michael Buffer impersonation. <laughs> hey, it's the thought that counts. Some tells me you could do a really good let's get ready to rumble. I probably could. I don't think my neighbors would like that too much. So it's daylight. Do they work nights? I don't know, honestly. I've maybe only talked to two of my neighbors. <laughs> then why are you worried about what they say? True. <laughs> See me. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of lucky because I can stand on my front porch and yell it and somebody goes, somebody make noise like down the road. (laughs) But at the same time, might get a chance to do a Mean Gene Okerlund uh, impersonation later in the show. Stick around, folks. Oh, that's called a taser. That's a taser. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we get, get, I'm going to cut a promo on Mr. Roberts later. You're going to do some Mean Gene. And I'm going to talk about Christmas when I was a kid later. Ooh, we'll get to that. We'll get there. We'll get there. But this is World War Three, nineteen ninety six, from as I said, Norfolk, Virginia, and the Scope, which is still operational. Hmm. It's had a lot of renovations, but it's still operational. I think AW was there a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow! Yeah, nice building. I like it. I like the. I love the look of that ceiling. Pretty cool looking. Yeah, no doubt. But for tonight's pay-per-view, we get Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, 
and Dusty the American Dream Road, baby. On commentary. <laughs> and I like that combo for I I love Dusty just brings something. I don't know what it is. It's just something different. Yeah, that's the best way to put it, really. It's something different. And it's nice. I enjoy it. Anytime I hear Dusty on commentary, though, is always a fun time for me. Yep. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you take this first match because it's your area. <laughs> all right. So after all the fireworks, we hear some chit-chat from the announcer table. And match number one on the night, we have Ultimo Dragon, a.k.a. Thanos of professional wrestling with his 15 lightweight or junior heavyweight or cruiserweight belts, however you want to call it, versus everybody's face, favorite masked luchador, Rey Mysterio Jr. Okay, I'm glad you brought for, – for, sorry to interrupt here, but I'm glad you brought up the Thanos thing because I wrote this down. You've been calling him, you know, Ultimate Thanos or whatever. I think I said that, but, you know, you've been calling him the Thanos with the belts and stuff. Did you notice Rey's outfit? I did. He was Spider Ray, and I'm like, oh my God, this is so perfect for us. <laughs> the <laughs> Spider Man mask, the little Spider Man logos. I'm like, this is perfect. And I'm thinking, how's he getting away with using that logo? Then I remembered <laughs> this is 1996. Stan Lee is flat broke. Marvel is in the tank. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're not even going to sell the rights to the movie for another two years. Give or take, yeah. And because the what Spider the original Spider Man with Tobey Maguire, it came out in what 2000, 2002, something like that. Yeah, so we're a good three years away from like him having any kind of revenue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Rest in peace, Stan. <clears throat> but yeah. <laughs> all right. So all right. So one gripe. That's not really a gripe. It's kind of a thing for me. Like, okay, so. This J Crown Champion thing, it was like eight belts or things, something like that. Mm-hmm. Why not condense that into one belt? Um, I think we're getting there. Like, I feel like it's like boxing. Like, if you're if you have multiple title belts in boxing, same thing. You'll see the guys flexing, and they got like the belts on their arms, and it's like, I mean, I guess that's different because they're different like organizations or whatever. Which so is this, but at the same time, I mean, if I'm a wrestling promotion in Japan. I don't want some dude just gallivanting around the States with my belt. I kind of need that. I don't have a problem with him gallivanting around with the belt. The problem I have is they don't mention my company. If my belt is going to be on your TV, not to borrow a phrase from Roman or to borrow a phrase from Roman Reigns here, acknowledge me. That's fair. So, I mean, I also agree with that too. If he's got this New Japan, All Japan, or whatever, you know, Hukawaka, Mexico, light heavyweight, junior heavy, whatever you want to call it, belt, say the names of the companies. Well, at least list it on a graphic. Here's, yeah. here's his titles. Here's what he has. So far, you just told me he has eight belts. Great. I can go to Walmart and buy nine. <laughs> yep. If you don't tell me what a belt is, it has no meaning or value. Exactly. Exactly, especially if you're not aware of what company it is. Like, it's different when, you know, Ric Flair rolls into WWF in, what was it, 91? With the big gold, and it's like, okay, we know what belt that is. You don't need to say what belt it is. 
But yeah, these belts here, especially if you're not too familiar with like junior heavyweight or cruiserweight wrestling. Yeah, you kind of need a little bit of a synopsis on that. But back to the match at hand here. This is match number two. I think these guys ended up having a three three match series of do believe pay per view series rather, and this is match number two. Of course, this is the uh, I guess you can call it a rubber match from uh, Hogwild. Well, Mysterio took that match. If you guys listened, hint hint, go back and listen if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I mean, honestly, this ended up being a pretty good match. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was enough setup and griping about belts and whatnot. Um, Really, it started off, I mean, there were a lot, I mean, it was a little bit stale to start. And I don't mean that in a bad way, necessarily, just a lot of flips and kicks, you know, cruiserweight things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of early mat wrestling. They started mm-hmm. slow, and I, and I like that. They started slow, then started working into the fast mm-hmm. pace. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, to me, it shows, I mean, realistically, yeah, like I said, it sounds kind of boring at first, but at the same time, you think about it, that mat wrestling stuff, especially in the cruiserweight division, WCW, I'm noticing it kind of sets up the bigger stuff for the most part. This is like, I mean, obviously you can't just roll into a match cold and try to jump and do a hurricane run off the top rope. I mean, you might hurt yourself, but yeah, you know, you get, you get warmed up and then you start doing the crazy things here. Like um, there was a, uh, I forget who it was. Oh, goodness. I can't remember if it was Ray or Ultima. I forgot to write it down, but uh, somebody hit like a fisherman suplex or something. And I was like, okay, now we're starting to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, this was near fall after near fall. And again, that's what makes cruiserweight wrestling fun because I mean, you can do these crazy flips and then go to a two count. And it's just like, these guys don't know how to stop. <laughs> Yeah, there was a I wrote down a lot of moves here. And I think the favorite thing I early in the match, brain Bobby the Brain goes, Where's Tanay when you need him? <laughs> right. I'm sure all three of them were thinking that I was like, we need Mike Tanay somewhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was just move like moves and I just it's a lucha match. It's just let's just it's the mm-hmm. modern indie match too. Just yep. I just had a thought and I don't want to say it, but um <laughs> I'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, it's just move after move after move. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimate Dragon, Ultimo Dragon hit a jumping tombstone. Then that hit, was sweet. Then he hit one in about two minutes, le- not even two minutes, like a minute later on the floor. Top rope, spinning Frankensteiner, whoo, running power bomb, which he did a lot better than the Liger bomb, baby. Yeah, the Liger bomb. Jushin Liger, yes. Yeah, he like, did. I'm it. sorry. I marked when that happened. I was like, ah. Yeah, I I like that move, but if you remember Hulk Wild, he really kind of botched it, and we thought he might have killed Ray. He had a nice one here. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised that he said he you know got in there and went Liger bomb, and I can't believe Ray went uh uh-uh, uh uh no. <laughs> remember the last one about broke my neck. <laughs> my neck remembers that one. Yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah, that was a lot better. It was oh, just. Yeah. A, uh, 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 let's see. Over the top rope, Centon by Ray. Springboard yes. sunset flip was nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Um, and we didn't talk about this. This whole beginning, probably the first, what was this, about a 10-minute match? Give or take. Mm-hmm. The first eight minutes was Rey Mysterio getting absolute dog crap kicked out of him. Yes. Like that he, he got nothing. Yeah, he got smoked big time. Nothing. <laughs> I wrote, uh, Ray needs to start a comeback soon. Then I wrote five seconds later, there it is. <laughs> I had literally wrote five seconds after I wrote that. There it is. That, yeah, that's where he hit the over-the-top senton, the springboard, sunset flip, a full Nelson suplex, which was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the crazy thing is, yeah, that springboard sunset flip, I mean, depending on the person you're going up against, that's usually a guarantee, especially after a comeback like that. But, yeah, that was a two-count. Yep. And uh, I believe it was uh, – did a – yeah, went back into another spinning Hurricane Rana. One, two, nope. Then we get another dragon suplex, two count. A lot of near falls, folks. I wish I'd have counted them all because <laughs> there were a lot. And a lot of them were like, yeah, this could be it. This could be it the entire time. Then um, we get ready. Well, Ray sets up, gets ready to set up for that springboard Hurricane Rana. Dragon said, not so fast, my friend. Catches in midair, bounce off the top rope into a power bomb. And that does it, folks. One, two, three. Ultima Dragon wins the rubber match from Hogwild. And that was a big power bomb, too. Yes, it was. I mean, these guys aren't the heaviest dudes. And it was one of those they took the bump, came up off the mat, and took another one. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that mat went thud. <laughs> it was like, ooh. And that was a good false finish in itself because when Ray was going for that top rope, that springboard hurry off the top, I'm like, oh, well, this is it. He's going to, oh, no, no, no. Not so fast, my friend. Mm -hmm. Not so fast. And caught me. I mean, at the beginning, I thought Ultimo was going to go over. But Ray's comeback sold me. I'm like, okay, maybe he's going to pull this off. Mm -hmm. So, I like the fin- I like the finish a lot. That was really nice. Oh yeah, like, it was a really nice finish. Um, I figured Ultimo would go over in this one um, because I mean, outside of him having twenty five different belts, I mean, he's a very accomplished wrestler. Wait, hold on, hold on. What was that? I'm, I'm getting I'm getting something from the back. Hold on. What? Real? Oh, this just in. Ultimo has won another belt. Now it's twenty six. <laughs> And just for the record, that number is going to keep increasing until it's gone next year. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, this match, I mean, this this was a good way to start off the pay-per-view. Um, and honestly, this match, I'd say, definitely got the crowd into it. It got me into it. Oh, same. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ultimo's got his eyes on Malenko next for that cruiserweight belt. So, hey, you never know. Might make, what, belt number 10 or some <laughs> crazy mess for him now if he beats Malenko. Who knows? But, He'll yeah, I mean, this is – looking at a lot of these other matches on the card here, this is the one I would have definitely started off with because, it, yeah, it gets the crowd ready to rock and roll, and they did a great job of that in my opinion. So, uh, that being said, yeah, this one got an A from me. Um like I said, I mean, watching these two in the ring is just poetry in motion, basically. And yeah, 
cruiserweight division is uh looking looking pretty hot right now in WCW. It's a pretty good thing they got going. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm. This is the one I'd have to start with. This or maybe the tag title match, but uh, no, never mind because I forgot it's a triangle match. Nope, this one, <laughs> this one, definitely this one. Um, I like this a lot. Even even as a, I could probably have graded this one on a normal mat, normal scale, and it would have probably got close to what I gave it. Mm-hmm. So that and that's praise. That's not that's not a knock at all. That's praise. Um, I gave this a B, mm-hmm. which I mean it was a good opener. It wasn't. I just thought that Ray got the crap kicked out of him for a little too long. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen a little more back and forth, other than just kick the crap out of him forever can't put him away yeah it kind of makes ray look like a big sympathetic baby face a little bit also made him look a little weak to me especially when he doesn't win at the end if you're going to have him go over that way fine have him catch ultimo dragon and something and you know get a miracle win right but to me it was just a little too much of ultimo in the beginning and just beating the crap beating beating a dead beating a dead ray apparently and then all of a sudden he gets his comeback, which is nice. But I think the comeback could have been a little better served as if it was a little more back and forth. Right. Yeah. But in other words, other words, I like this match. I have nothing wrong with Ultimo going over here, especially since he's got 12 belts. <laughs> so uh, I got no problem with it. Oh, yeah. We'll take that, man. Any day of the week. And immediately after, you said what, A? Yep. I said A, B. We're, we're within tolerance. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with an A. Um, right after that, we get Mean Gene with Diamond Dallas Page. And Mean Gene grills DDP, I mean, on the witness stand over the NWO thing. Oh, yeah, big time. Ooh, DDP says he's not. He's not going to be in the NWO even though Bischoff's his neighbor. And even though he's friends with Hall, he's friends with the other guy. I can't remember who he said. Somebody else. He said he's he's WCW. He's not going to the NWO. And he's going to win World War III. I can see DDP getting a push and winning that, maybe. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a problem if they did. He's been kind of hot kind of lately. They've been putting, oh, yeah, him, big time. putting him over, especially... That diamond cutter. Hottest move in professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. It's almost like Randy Orton stole it. (laughs) I will say this, though. Randy Orton didn't steal it. DDP's career was winding down big time when Randy Orton showed up, and it was more of like passing the torch or an homage at this point. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that DDP's not the first – person to ever do that move oh i doubt it yeah i doubt it no (laughs) oh but we'll move on to our next match which we all were looking forward to oh yeah man this is best card this best best match on the card you kidding me hey it's a lot i'll give it i'll give this credit i'll go ahead and spoil it for it was a lot better than what i thought it was going to be me too you know i agree with that because i knew going in this is not going to be a competitive match this is going to be the comedy spot exactly and it's exactly what it was and as much as we have ragged on nick patrick he played his part to 
absolute perfection because did he oversell and make goofy faces and yada, yada, yada? Yes. Yes, he absolutely did. Is that exactly what he was supposed to do? Yes. This is Mm -hmm. the old Memphis, old Mid-South, the manager against the wrestler with one arm tied behind their back or some blindfold or some gimmick to, you know, put the wrestler to this advantage to make it even. And then the manager, ref, whatever it is, gets the absolute living crap kicked out of him anyway. Flops like a flops like Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam versus Hogan. Yeah. Um, greatest match ever. <laughs> I, I, I saw highlights of it the other day. And I'm like, I love this match. <laughs> but anywho, and Nick Patrick was doing that. He was flopping around, taking big, goofy, crazy bumps. It was it was great. I love this. Um, you remember War Games a couple of months ago? Mm-hmm. I wrote the same thing here. Pick a ring. Oh, my God. This one. <laughs> I, and I get why they're doing it. It's for the live crowd, so everybody has an equal chance of seeing, you know, close to the ma- close to the ring because right. if you use the middle one the whole time it's kind of forward so the other side of the crowd is going to be farther away every match i get why they're doing it for some reason it just irks me on tv <laughs> i don't know why um i love nick patrick jaw jacking with teddy long that would that was great <laughs> um the patrick sucks chant coming from the audience <laughs> <laughs> Dude's got some heat. I'll give him that. The oh, crowd yeah. hates him. And I'm hoping this is the end of this whole crap angle. Hoping beyond hope. Uh, Nick Patrick, every time he'd get hit with something, he'd powder the outside. I loved it. Uh, Patrick and Teddy Long got to a shoving match. Uh, this was all just comedy flopping around. Every time Nick Patrick get punched, he'd fly across the ring like the Incredible Hulk just nailed him with his biggest punch. <laughs> um at one point though nick patrick took the advantage all right okay um did you notice he hit charlotte flair's natural selection <laughs> like, <laughs> like well that's different <laughs> it's not something i've seen a lot back in 1996 i mean i know some people have hit it but your referee hitting it, <laughs> and right. hit it i mean he grabbed it and hit it nice uh, Patrick did the flare flop. I love that. And the finish is Chris Jericho just hits a super kick and pins him. One, two, three. <laughs> I mean, Jericho can't use his arm, so what's he supposed to do? True. So, uses his feet, knocks him colder in a banker's heart, and we're done with it. This was surprisingly entertaining. I'm not going to lie. If I was... If you go in this thinking this is going to be a wrestling match, it'll be a giant disappointment. It won't make any sense, and it's stupid. But if you go in realizing this is going to be the manager against the wrestler comedy spot, and the the heel ref at this in this case is going to get his comeuppance, and yep. he does. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. It wasn't perfect. It. I didn't like the powdering every time he got hit. Take your beating. Um, it was good, very entertaining. I gave this a B. That's fair, and honestly, uh, yeah. I mean, this match, honestly, it 
was what it was supposed to be. Um, I was like, yeah, was it perfect? By no means, not at all. But at the same time, I didn't see this match on the card expecting it to be perfect. Um, this match pretty much went exactly how I figured it would go. Obviously, Nick Patrick, everything that happens to him is going to be, well, wrestling's kind of an over-exaggeration. So an over-exaggeration of that, which, like you said, he flopped like a fish, just all over the place. And, I mean, Jericho was Jericho with one arm beside behind his back. That was pretty much the match. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And, you know, surprised that uh, Nick Patrick was able to get back up after taking at least one bump from Jericho because, you know, everybody knows in professional wrestling, your ref's made out of glass. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> <clears throat> that being said, uh, yeah, I also gave this a B. Oh, oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, okay. I will say this because I want to talk about this next because I just want to go ahead and insult somebody. We get told the Piper's here tonight. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm loving some Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Uh, we get a picture of the back. Buff, or not back, Marcus Bagwell is on the chat line with Mark Madden. And I wrote, boo, because I cannot stand that big fat moron, Mark Madden. If you think I don't like Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon on commentary, wait till a few years when we get Mark Madden. I will, I honest to God, will probably be watching these on mute. He is the <laughs> biggest, dumbest, fat idiot on the face of the planet. He's nothing but a shock jock who just says the stupidest things to get somebody to notice him. And I wish he could just have his fat, just ugh, fat rear end. He should be boiled in oil and have his fat sold for soap. Oh, my. Be given a thousand paper cuts and then put given a bath in um, isopropyl alcohol. Ouch. He should have his mouth duct taped to the tailpipe of a Greyhound bus and drugged through the Arizona desert. Shall <laughs> I keep going of how much I hate Mark Madden? Like this I mean, guy, this guy should have to be put on a two-person cruise with Vince Russo and then hit with a cruise missile. I mean, no arguments for me. I'm done. <laughs> well, that was a fantastic match there between Jericho and uh old Nick Patrick. But next we have mean Gene Okerlin out by the tunnel there and uh did you notice how hot this crowd was? They were for everything. Oh, yeah. They were absolutely insane. But guess what? What's hotter than lava? Um, a big tub of woo! That's right, folks. <laughs> out comes Ric Flair. And, I mean, I don't even think he was out there yet. The music hit, and the crowd went ballistic. This is and this wow. Is old, this is old Crockett backyard. They ran Norfolk every other week mm -hmm. back in the day. 
Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, he comes out, says his piece, starts dancing. Crowd goes nuts again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited for a player to come back. Who knows how long that'll be? I don't remember exactly. But <laughs> looking at this, you know, from future perspective, I don't remember how long he was out. But um, I mean, I have a hard time. I don't know either because, like I said, didn't watch WCW, and this is before I really ever started watching wrestling. But I have a hard, hard time saying he won't be somewhat involved at Starcade in was just Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, he better be. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, I was like, he's probably going to be back for Starcade. If he's not at least somewhat, I'm not saying have a match, but somewhat physical with somebody hitting him with a belt, hitting him with something, they will set the seats on fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they should. They should. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of funny. And I did. Um, I had to go back and rewind it. And he said something like um, where Flair had mentioned something about how the new world order, new world order will belong to the WCW. And it was like, I was kind of like, huh? I, what? <laughs> Scratch that. It's like, hold on. Let bring them back. Bring them back. Try that last line again there, Rick. Like, nope. <laughs> Can I try that again? No, Rick, we're live. Oh, wait, you're not Psycho Sid. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, hey, just let it roll. The crowd's just like, woo, whatever. Who cares? It's Ric Flair. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had to rewind it because I'm like, did he just – he just said that. <laughs> it's Norfolk, Virginia. It's the scope. It's 1996. Ric Flair could have walked out there and said, death to puppies. And they'd have been like, <gasps> True. They would have went crazy for that. Yeah, that was a fun little interview. Yep. It's always I, nice getting a microphone in Ric Flair's face. Yep. For that exact reason. It starts off fairly chill, depending on the situation, and then it just escalates. Unless he just finished a match or is about to go into a match, then it's just intense the entire time, and it's just like, all right, I'm on board with this. I mean, I know you're the heel, but, I mean, I'm going to cheer for you. <laughs> that's how that works but are the horsemen heels see that's a good question i don't know where they are right now because it's like i know they every- do heal things but yeah it, it, it's confusing we'll talk more about that on a, because i wrote this down on another episode on an episode of nitro stay tuned for that folks <clears throat> there you go and uh, speaking of, uh, I'm doing air quotes here, people. Horsemen, we have our next match. We have the uh, not U.S. champion, the Giant, taking on Jeff Jarrett in a rubber match. Since uh, the Giant didn't get to choke slam Jeff Jarrett as he promised, and Jeff Jarrett's still running around, you never choke slam me, which he's right, he didn't. Um, a little side note here about that U.S. belt, ladies and gentlemen, since that Flair is no longer a U.S. champion because he hadn't defended the belt in a month. You know, he's been injured, right? So we'll get to that later on. However, this match starts off the way every match between a normal-sized man 
and a large size man happens. You get Jeff Jarrett trying his damnedest to knock the giant off his feet, which that doesn't work. Giant just jumps on him, grabs his gullet, and just chops the ever living life out of the poor guy. And it basically turned into a snuff film after that as <laughs> a giant just trying his best to massacre Double J. But wait, who's that in the catwalk? It, Is that it's a bird? Sting. Oh. oh my God. What's he doing? He's, he's leaving the catwalk. He's, he's coming through the crowd with security for obvious reasons. Oh my God. What's going on here? Anyway, back in the ring. <laughs> so giant misses a pump splash which who didn't see that coming if you haven't you mean watched the vader bomb it's a vader bomb come on let's call it what it is <laughs> has he ever hit that in vader or giant the giant oh no. vader hits it all the time it's no i was like every time every time big show giant paul white wherever you want to call him goes up for that move it misses it's like rick flair going to the top rope never hit anything from it he goes there mm-hmm. you know he's getting tossed off so you think he'd stop doing it by now but hey, whatever <laughs> what do we know <sighs> so we finally get a uh, double j finally takes the giant down gets him off his feet with a body press for a two count and this is as sting has hopped the rail giant gets thrown out of the ring the ref is counting the giant like standing on top of the rope, like just staring down. So obviously Double J being who he is going to take this time to, you know, do a little taunt to get a little Fargo strut going. <laughs> who do you think shows up in the ring? Hmm. Is he wearing black and white? He is wearing black and white. Hmm. Is he a member of the NWO? Speculative. Yeah, I can't say that word. There's speculation that he might be. That's the word I'm looking for. Is he suddenly have a fetish with baseball bats? Oddly enough, yes. Ah, okay. I know exactly who it is. Bill Clinton. Has that happened yet? I think it happened this year. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. What's the what's remember. the going price on Cubans in nineteen ninety six? We'll have to see. But anywho. <laughs> <laughs> all right so anyway so ref is counting the giant out because he's outside the ring sting waltzes into the ring while that while double j's doing his fargo strut hits him with a scorpion death drop reverse ddt i was like yeah they, i think they call it reverse ddt at the moment <laughs> and then it just hops out the ring like nothing happened that'll shut jared up so here comes the giant He's back into the ring. Jarrett kind of stumbles up to his feet, does a little stagger. Hand around the gullet, up for a choke slam. And the giant wins the match with a textbook pin. One, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, that was all it took. And I loved it because, like, the, the finish... It was a good finish. I enjoyed the finish. And the fact that the fact that the giant was kind of like cocky with the pin <laughs> just made it that much better. Because he just kind of laid on top of him, lifted the leg up, just 
yeah like that's probably like what day one of wrestling school <laughs> it's just like yeah that's how you do it i'm kind of surprised that he's having put his foot on his chest i mean he just took two guys finishing moves right i mean that's not even burying Jarrett. i mean you take a scorpion death drop followed by the giant choke slam i would have no problem i would think nonetheless of you if he just put his foot on your chest and went right i would have been perfectly fine with that but he cracked me up and did this match i mean it was a good match like it wasn't meant to be this big long epic battle between two men it was just like Haha, you still have a choke slam me. And the giant's like, oh, I bet I'm gonna get you with the choke slam. And the entire time, obviously, Jeff Jarrett's been running his mouth. Sting's been watching. Sting has beef. So we kind of get that continuation of basically him trying to shut him up, of Sting trying to shut up double J, that is. And then of course, the big show finally got his choke slam on double J and got the win. Um, I guess you can kind of say Jared's like an honorary horseman here. So hopefully the giant and the horsemen are done with their little feud thing they had going. Hopefully that'd be nice. <laughs> no doubt on the bigger and better things for most people involved. I'm sure double J will be out of here in like two months anyway, but, um, <laughs> just bouncing back and you know what, don't get me started on that. That's kind of annoying. But anyway, um, yeah, like I said, honestly, I enjoyed this match for what it was. Like I said, it's your typical regular-sized dude versus large-sized dude. I'm going to try to knock you on your feet. No, I'm going to power move you to oblivion. Get a special guest appearance from the Stinger. So that's always fun. Um, and honestly, yeah, I gave this one a B. Um, <clears throat> no problem with that. My only – I like the match, just like you said. I like every, I agree with everything you said about it. Um, one thing that I wrote that you didn't mention was that they said they were trying to touch on why would the giant join the NWO? You know, they screwed him out of his title at hog wild. And like a month later, he's joining them, which always to me made no sense. They finally, you know, three months later, address it here. Right. <laughs> we're like, well, the giant joined the NWO because Hogan promised him movie roles. <laughs> and funny little bit of just absolute hilarity i happened to be watching a christmas movie with the family this week i was watching Arnold schwarzenegger and jingle all the way great movie by the way yes it is yeah one of sinbad's only good roles actually probably his only good one well no i i take that back if you he had another one i'll talk about it in a minute um but who makes a cameo appearance in that movie well, that'd be Mr. The Giant. He plays giant, he plays the giant Santa Claus toward mm-hmm. the end. And I'm thinking, oh, and they're going, I figured maybe they'd try to play that up. And hey, he's in, he has a small role in this movie. Hogan got it for him. And I'm thinking, if if they'd have done that, I was thinking, you know, that movie was filmed like well over a year ago, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I just thought that was kind of funny that I just the same week I watched this is I see a movie that he's in. And they're talking about him being in movies. Hilarious. As long as he doesn't make any more sitcoms. Oh, my God. I watched like five minutes of that big show that was on like a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That makes like the Jeff Foxworthy show watchable. Yeah. Which at the the time was watchable because, I mean, it had Jennifer Lawrence on it, so it can't be too bad. 
but speaking of Sinbad, he did have one good movie role. If you've ever seen, I think it's from the late 80s, early 90s, a football movie called Necessary Roughness. I've heard of it. Great movie. Scott Bakula, Sinbad, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is the kicker. <whistles> Woo! It has a big giant Samoan in it who could have been a wrestler. Can't remember his name. Um, great movie about a small town Texas college resurrecting a football team. I mean, absolutely one of the most hilarious scenes I've ever seen in a sports movie. The um, quarterback's in, and he's a, let's say your prototypical college dork, tall glasses, <laughs> not athletic at all, but this guy's the quarterback of a college football team. <laughs> they snap the ball. They come with an all-out blitz, and there's like six people chasing him in a circle as he's grabbing the ref, holding him in front of him, going, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. <laughs> Great movie. If you've not seen it, I've, it might be on Netflix or something. Look it up called Necessary Roughness. Great movie. Anywho, back to this. Um, yeah, I like this match. I like the finish. The finish was great to me. The only problem I have with this match is the fact that this, there was this match. Now, let me explain that. They had the same match at Halloween Havoc that ended when Flair intentionally low-blowed the Giant and got a DQ. And now they have the same exact match with Sting interfering. And I'm not saying that Double J was going to win, but the Giant technically didn't beat him clean. True. So, what? I don't know. Have one or the other. The This... This finish with Sting interfering kind of totally negates the other match and makes it pointless and meaningless. Like, we just did that finish because we want to hold off on this and do it later. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see that. So they probably just shouldn't have had the match at Halloween Havoc. But anyway, I mean, that's just my booking armchair booker of the year thinking here. Armchair booker of the year finalist, I guess I should say. Um but yeah, I agree with you. I like the match. I actually also gave it a B. Not a whole oh. lot more. Not a whole lot more I could say about it. Wait, do you hear that? You hear that? What? What's that? What's that dulcet tones there? Bagpipes! Woo! Here comes Piper. Dulcet tones. Well, you don't like bagpipes? Oh, I didn't say that. I just wouldn't consider that a dulcet tone. I was going. I was going for the irony the juxtaposition of the word dulcet with me yelling the word bagpipes. Oh, so Piper's here. Contract in hand. And here comes Bischoff wearing an NWO shirt. Great. Oh, he comes down with Virgent and Ted DiBiase. Um, Piper's promo here is just God perfection. Oh yes. my gosh. Um, I know we talked about it last week, the MJF CM Punk segment. I am totally convinced that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is Rowdy Roddy Piper reincarnated. Just, <clears throat> I mean, even part of his gimmick is a weird piece of clothing to that point. Piper had his, I almost called it a skilt. His kilt. I was going with skirt. And I'm like, no, that's insulting. Let's say kilt. It's a skilt. 
his kilt. Uh, MJF has a scarf. I'm just, and they both can cut scathing promos. Mm-hmm. Both are good in the ring. I'm just saying. Um, both are known for being a little bit of a different ethnicity. Let's put it that way. Piper is Scottish Canadian. Let's put yeah, he's Canadian, isn't he? Isn't Piper Canadian? Maybe you get on the Google and look that up for a second. But I'm pretty sure Piper's Canadian. He may not be. I may just be pulling that out of my. Yes. Is he's Canadian? He is Canadian. Okay, I thought so. Okay, so he's Canadian. MJF is Jewish. Um, so it it works, and I love me some MJF. But anyway, back to this. His promo is just perfect. I mean, it is it's Piper. You could have Piper talk about this morning's newspaper, and I'd probably give it an A. <laughs> uh, Piper calls out Hogan. Here comes the NWO, all of them. We get a Hogan sucks chant. So NWO went from being the most over thing on the planet to we love Rowdy Piper. Love it. And Hogan keeps telling Piper he wants him to show him his hip. Show him, show me the hip. Mm-hmm. And he finally pulls up the kilt, and we see that Piper A is not truly Scottish because he has wrestling tights on under his kilt. Just saying. But I don't really want to see his little Piper either, so I'm glad of that. Um, but he has a big scar on his hip. Looks like Piper's had some hip surgery. Mm-hmm. I'd almost be willing to bet with that scar. Piper at this point's had a hip replacement. Um, Piper signs the contract, smacks Hogan in the face. The NWO jump all over Piper. Hogan smashes Piper with a chair right in the hip, spray paints NWO on the hip. I don't know. Mm. Leaves him laying, but Piper getting, he keeps getting up. He's going to fight. He's ready to go. He's not going to back down. He doesn't, he's not going to take crap from anybody. He's not ever going to give up. Nope. This whole segment was wrestling perfection. Loved it. Every second of this, everything they did. Hogan held his end mostly. The NWO, I love the way that they subtly were on one side of the ring when Piper was talking. Kind of went around the table a little bit and surrounded him. Not blatantly, not like we're going to run over there, but I think it was Hall and Maybe Nash went with him perfectly. Like, I think I don't even know if Piper I was paying enough attention to, him to see him, but surrounded him and it was beautiful. They did the pull apart perfectly because a lot of the times you'll see the pull apart and they'll just hold them apart and never let yep. them at each other. Piper, the baby face, breaks free, jumps over and gets a couple shots on Hogan before they rip him back off, fights free again, but they cut him off. This was absolute wrestling perfection of how to Mm -hmm. do an in-ring segment oh yeah and it didn't end the show (gasps) i know that's a surprise right they're listening to us they took a time machine and figured this out (laughs) (laughs) you know you know the thing is they could have if they had a time machine they could come back and listen to us and change it but then it would be changed with what so i don't know how that works hmm that's called a causality loop. <laughs> or or is that no, nah, that'd be I don't know. Anyway, 
I love this whole thing. I graded it. I gave this a solid A. This was just how you do it. Mm-hmm. Nah, yeah, that was that was really good. And like I enjoyed every bit of it. And it cracks me up in a way because it's like, oh man, like the build, the build's amazing. Let's put it that way. The build is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have a grade for this one though, but if I did, it was, I mean, it was definitely an A for sure. Cause this is how you build something like this up. Yep. And then I hear music and I write sigh dot, dot, dot. So what's next, Arnold? Oh man. Next we get Harlem heat with Sister Sherry taking on the amazing French Canadians <sighs> with uh foreign legionnaire. Colonel Robert Parker. But there's a stipulation to this match. If Harlem Heat wins this match, Sherry gets five minutes in the ring with Colonel Parker. Dum, dum, dum. Ooh. So. And hey, people might not know. Sherry used to, was actually a a female wrestler back in her day. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it shows. (laughs) <laughs> we will get to that but in typical fashion when you're wrestling against the amazing french canadians definitely they not start the off singing the canadian national anthem very very off key and way off time oh my inner music major is coming out oh this is terrible yeah but- same here <laughs> and uh yeah I don't even know where to go from that because this is like cringe. Well, since you but, mentioned that, I wrote down, you know, Harlem Heat did not jump them during the anthem. We were talking about Harlem Heat faces or heels. I think last yeah. week they didn't jump them. They had the opportunity. They just kind of mocked them, which who's not. Yeah, I think we all, I think we're all mocking them at this point. So I wrote Harlem Heat full fledged faces question mark. It could be. They're going up against the team that includes one of their old managers. I mean, based on everything that went down, went down, I mean, it could be possible they are. They could be faces now. I like that. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, they definitely have the charisma for it. I mean, Booker T, I mean, he's obviously the mouthpiece of the team. And Stevie Ray is the big dude. I'm cool with that. Sucker. But <laughs> I had to. Yeah. I would I would be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So start off in the ring. Booker T and Jacques, I think it was, was were the first two in the ring there. Booker T hits a shoulder block in which Jacques kips up from. That's like their thing. He likes to likes that kip up and hits the drop kick on Booker. And then he gets hit immediately with a hook kick. <laughs> <laughs> So we get a followed by a get a tag of Stevie, double clothesline. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I just kind of yada 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 here. Uh, I cannot say this dude's name. I think it's Oulette. That was Stevie Ray. Yeah, so we get Stevie Ray and Oulette there. We get the uh back suplex and a bicycle kick, which I, I don't know what it is about that move. I like that move. I do too. I do too, especially when he's holding <clears> him <throat> like that. 
Mm-hmm. He was holding him in kind of like a side slam position, and Booker comes with that kick, and that's like nice. Yeah, like I enjoy that kick. It's just fun. But that only got a two count, surprisingly. Well, obviously. I mean, it was only like five minutes into the match. <laughs> um, so we get that. Let gets uh, marooned in the Harlem Heat corner. Poor guy. So Book goes for an elbow drop, misses it, does the spin a Rooney, which, of course, that's going to get a pop from the crowd. Comes up to that and hits that jumping leg lariat. And then I do believe, yeah, he pulled, the, yeah, dude pulled the rope down. I cannot remember the French dude's names, but anyway. I don't even write them down. <laughs> I don't care. It's like, yeah, pulls the rope down. Booker goes out to the, out to the floor. Well, he bounces him on like the rope for a while, doesn't he? Mm. Then, then he falls to the floor, does the whole crotch. Yeah, the crotch the kick. Then mm-hmm. he's riding the pony and dumps to the floor. I like that. I like that spot. They don't mm-hmm. overdo it. He does it, you know, occasionally. Doesn't overdo yeah. it. Because sometimes he, he hits that it. kick. If you, I mean, if you do that every time you miss it, like we're talking about with Flair going to the top rope, maybe you should kind of stop doing it. But Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like a thing. It's kind of a thing. It's kind of like when Flair does the flare flop. It's kind of like, you know, it's Ric Flair. Well, you know, the, <laughs> flare, the flare flop can, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, if you're in a fight, sometimes, you know, hey, I'm going to go, you know what? I, I, nope, going down. That can be logically explained. Right. And I don't mind the flare flop. Yes, it's comedy, but it's within context of a wrestling match. His going to the top rope every time and getting thrown off of it, that's a little, why are you doing it? And I hate to break this up, but I'm going to, before I forget, because I was going to mention earlier, talking about wrestling logic. I put this on Twitter yesterday. Some outlaw goof was real proud of a spot he did in his outlaw show in front of 20 people, if you notice, in a gym somewhere. He's having a match, quote-unquote match, with this guy. And he's on the mat, and the guy goes to the top rope, does a shooting star press, but the guy that was down kicks him with a super kick in the middle of the shooting star press. And he was so proud of that. He tweeted it out. Indie wrestling's great. Tagged AEW in it, yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you why this guy's a moron. And if you want to see that, you can go to our Twitter at AWR Pod and see it. See the clip for yourself. So the guy goes up for the shooting star press, and by the time he does it, his opponent is standing up. Why would you? Yeah, why would he do the shooting star press if his opponent is standing up? Why? Because that's a spot they talked about for the last week they wanted to do. Let me tell you how, if you want to do it and make it look really cool, here's how you do it. You're laying on your back on the mat. The guy climbs a rope to do the shooting star press. And he knows you're going to counter it because, you know, you don't want to kill the dude. Right. He does the shooting star press. But as he comes down, guess what he's got waiting on him instead of your supine body? He's got your right foot stuck straight in the air. So he hits that. He, you know, kind of does the over-rotating. Hits your foot with his chin. And then just completely takes a 
you know, crazy bump backwards into the turnbuckle. That's how you do that spot. Not make no, because that makes sense. You countered the move. It looks yep. better. Not just, oh, we play in this spot because it's going to look really cool. Won't make a lick of sense to anybody. And then, because a friend of mine who's not, let's just, he's a, he likes wrestling, but he's not like a big analyze it commented. Well, after the guy hit the kick, why did he fall down? Oh, doesn't make a lick of sense. He, he was enough to stand up and throw a super kick. Why'd he fall down? <laughs> I couldn't figure that one out. Because he had to wait for the next spot they had already planned. Jeez Louise. This guy posted this clip of why this was great. And it just showed every reason why a lot of outlaw mud show indie wrestling is stupid and makes no sense. Speaking of stupid and makes no sense, back to the definitely not Quebecers. Sorry. Back oh, no, no worries. And now back to your regularly scheduled review. <laughs> well, they start doing, you know, there's a bunch of double team moves in there. So that was fun to watch. Um, <laughs> then we get a, Stevie Ray gets a hot tag, does a press slam from one French Canadian to the other. That was nice to watch. And then, of course, that breaks down into a big old brawl between the two teams, which, I mean, because why not? It's tag team wrestling. you got to have at least one of those, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So, book. Okay, yeah, this is the one where he misses the that lariat and gets crotched. Yeah. It was after the uh, – after that big brawl in the middle of the ring. Yeah, so he misses that. He gets crotched, falls to the floor. Stevie Ray is left alone, left alone in the ring with the French Canadians, and they hit a spike pile driver. A beautiful yeah. spike pile driver. Yeah. Because I was like, whoa. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, obviously these guys, like the heat, down and out. Go figure. And they make and so the French Canadians decide to play with Legos. <laughs> apparently. I mean, they had what? Like all of the uh steel steps from every ring. I think somebody brought in a table. Table. I like um, Bobby the Ring. What are they building a clubhouse? <laughs> right. It was and so stupid. That was insane. So it was just like, okay, um, so you put all this together, you hop on top. I was just like, okay, what are they doing here? So dude dives off of this contraption. 10 feet in the air. Ten, yes. They are way up there. They have stacked the, the table on the ropes. Had, then they balanced the stairs on top of it mm -hmm. and climbed way up there, way, like the ropes are what, six feet? Probably, give or take. Give or take. They're another five, six feet above that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He was up there. Dives off of it. Crashes and burns. <laughs> I mean, granted, they gave Harlem Heat plenty of time to recoup. Because it's like, yeah, let's just build something in the corner here. Like we're playing Minecraft. This will be awesome. It brought the match to a screeching halt. Oh, big time. It was like any momentum. The, oh, not the Quebecers. The amazing French Canadians have. Definitely not the Quebecers. 
<laughs> any momentum they had at that moment was gone. And <laughs> so one gets kicked to the floor while Harlem Heat sets up the Harlem hangover. One, two, three. That's the bell. You right. know, whatever. We'll hold we'll hold right there and I'll give my comments, then we'll move on. Okay. Because this is two matches, really. It is. So this remember how we talked about earlier how hot the crowd was? Yep. They did not care at all about this match. They were on their butts. They were not cheering. They were not booing until the very, very end. And we haven't even got to the point where they're cheering and booing, cheering yet. They did not care one iota about Mm-mm. this match. Um, and honestly, I didn't really either because don't care. It's, it's the amazing French Canadians. Give me Harlem Heat versus anybody else, pretty much. Um, I like they asked. They were talking about Colonel Parker, you know, because he's a Southern boy. He said he'll live in South Quebec. (laughs) 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 Um, We get uh, Booker. I can't believe you didn't mention this. Booker T did the spin-a-rooney. I did. You did? Did I miss Mm -hmm. that? I was like, yeah, he missed an elbow and then did a -a spin-a-rooney into a jumping leg lariat. Oh, you did. You did, didn't you? Yeah, well. Mm -hmm. That's when he pulled the rope and he went out to the floor. Cause, cause I'm, I wrote spin Rooney with lots of, lots of exclamation points. <laughs> um, but yeah, other, the building a clubhouse thing was just so dumb. I mean, they didn't care about this match. They were not into the comeback. They, I can't, I don't even think I can completely convey of how nothing the crowd was in this one. Here's what they sounded like. And that's it. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. But yeah, so Harlem Heat wins one, two, three. So what does that mean, Arnold? That means Sherry gets five minutes in the ring with Colonel Parker. <laughs> who? Uh, this is where the crowd comes to life. And I love it because you can see it in her eyes. She was ready. Oh, and Sherry, Sherry Martell had that, those facials that were just so perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She kicked off those heels. Colonel Parker didn't know what to do. Tried to run. <laughs> she beat him to a pulp in one ring. He scurried away into another ring <laughs> to try to get away from her. <laughs> this, I, we talked about the comedy spot with Jericho and Patrick earlier. This is what this was, but it was gold. Just gold. Oh, this took the cake. And especially when Sherry went to the top rope, because I honestly thought that Shivani was going to like pass out from laughing. <laughs> My mom was the um, Dusty Rhodes having an orgasm over there screaming, She clotheslined him! She clotheslined him! She clotheslined him! <laughs> like four or five times, like, Whoa, somebody get that man some tissues and a new pair of pants. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was funny to watch because it's like she went to the top rope not once, but twice. And this is like, yeah. Yeah. Close line, then a cross body for a two count. <laughs> that was the best part of this whole thing that she pinned the man. <laughs> yeah. Well, she never even got, she didn't get the three, did she? 
he ran they all ran away i was like yeah i don't think she got the three he like yeah that's right because i actually wrote that down i was like sherry goes for the pin and colonel parker kicks out question mark i'm like what no get your butt get your butt handed to you in my everybody's coming sherry won that quote-unquote match (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely and quite frankly i mean it was the best part of the match if you Mm -hmm. want to even call it part of the match (laughs) like you said that was kind of its own match (laughs) yeah it, it was and if i would have graded this as a match a yeah, hands down. Hands down an A. And <laughs> and I put it in with my actual grade. Like hmm. I kind of merged them together, which saved this, saved this one's grade. You ever have that, you know, group project or we have a partner and one of them does all the work and the other one slides by. Yep. And you pass with a C minus. Mm-hmm. Well, I just gave him a grade away. That's this. <laughs> I mean, I told you that I gave Sherry and Colonel Parker an A for their three, four minute, whatever. That tells you what I thought of Harlem Heat and the definitely not the Quebecers. Right. And with this one, yeah, like we're close. I was I gave it a solid C. Um, yeah, the match, the tag match was kind of meh at best. Like you said, the crowd was not into it at all. If until you, the end of the, yeah if you uh, take away that building the clubhouse spot this is a c match mm-hmm. straight down the middle just see it's there it's should be better it's at a pay-per-view but it's not so it's there yep yeah, when they started that when they shut the match down to build a clubhouse and go watch it folks because I, I don't know what else to call it you know, the tower of babel whatever they were trying to reach heaven i don't know maybe they were going trying to find sting up there <laughs> but it just, it was how long it took them, what probably well over a minute to build that yeah, thing. It took them way longer than it should have. Well, Harlem Heat had to sit there and sell. <sighs> stupid, 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 stupid. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, agree. You get C, I did C minus. I have no problem with that. So after that, we are we done? Are we done with this, please? Oh, yeah, we're done with this one. Thank God. For sure. So we get a Starcade preview. Cool. That's mm-hmm. kind of that whole Santa thing was kind of the little elf dude was cringy, but whatever. And Tony Schiavone tells us that a no wrestler is coming to WCW. Ooh. Do you know who it is? Is it Glacier? No, but <laughs> spoiler alert, he's coming back. Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll get there. Can you, can you do the sound effects? We've missed it. No, oh, I can. no, save it for the save it for the review. Um, then we get a spot for the what's that? What's that phone number, Arnold? <clears throat> that phone number is one nine hundred nine nine ninety nine hundred. I even wrote it down. <laughs> How could you not? I marked that one. I was like, yeah, yeah. I know you did. You ever tried more of that? <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you tried calling it now. It'd probably ask you if you've taken your aspirin today. Hold on, folks. We'll be right back. Actually, you can listen along with us. I have speakerphone. One nine hundred ninety nine ninety nine hundred. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Aww. Please check the number and dial again. I want to try it now. Dang, number no longer in service. 
That that is one of that is too funny. Maybe. Ah, that makes me sad. Yeah. Rest in peace. One nine hundred ninety nine I wasn't upstairs and had carpet. I'd pour one out for you. Actually, I'm not pouring my coffee out. I need it. Oh, so then we get mean gene with Lex Luger who doesn't know what to make of the bat spot from last week. And don't worry, Lex, neither did we. Right. <laughs> Didn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Uh, he thinks Sting might be in the NWO. Okay. Refers to his makeup as Marcel Marceau. Loved that. <laughs> See, I always would have loved to have seen a version, and it's not his personality, so I am not. don't think it would have worked. But Lex is so smart. You can – that's one thing with Lex, and I was going to talk about it later, but I can go ahead and do it now. Lex Luger is an absolute genius. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. He is very, very – that's why they call him the total package. He looks like that and has like an IQ of 140. Oh, yeah. Dude's brilliant. But that's one thing that always held him back. Because what now that I, I'll tell you, and you'll never be able to unsee it. When he's wrestling, watch his face. He's always thinking. And not just thinking, that's not a problem. You can always see his face thinking about what to do next. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, the facials he needs to make, either or, I'm a smiley baby face, I'm going to kick your butt. Uh, it's always, mm, well, what's going on next? He's always got that, not confused, but concentrating face mm-hmm. on now that you see that you'll never unsee it but i would have loved to have seen he was so smart and could say things like this like that marcel marceau line was brilliant if you don't know you younger kids marcel marceau is one of the most famous minds on the planet well he's probably the only famous mime i guess <laughs> but he had black and white face paint and so it was a beautiful but the rest of the promo was just meh eh, whatever Typical Luger. Typical. <laughs> All right. Next, um, we'll move on to the Cruiserweight title match. Dean Malenko versus everybody's favorite horny luchador, Psychosis. Nice. Yeah, about that. <laughs> he's, because he's got horns on his yeah, yeah. which I always thought was weird thought back then thought it now how weird it was that he had like the horns right Um, and speaking of what he's wearing he looks like a Mexican Power Ranger toy and I don't mean like a Mexican Power <laughs> Ranger you know like those knockoff toys you see from other countries yep like it'd be a Rower Painter just to <laughs> kind of get away from the licensing and the stuff but he literally looks like a Power Ranger, like a knockoff Power Ranger from another country. Um, Dusty keeps referring to it as the Cruiser Heavyweight title, which <laughs> that's kind of not what it is, but yeah. Um, uh, Dean starts the mat, starts the match, keeping Psychosis down on the mat, and again, the crowd is dead. I think that Piper segment, they loved it because they were up and up through that. And after yeah. that, it was just that last match. I mean, they didn't care. Even with a cruiserweight match, they're still they're still out of it. They just mm. they're done, I guess. I don't know. They started cheering something off screen. That was the only cheers I heard in the match. 
They were looking left. I don't know if a fight broke out in the crowd or what. Oh, 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 and I wrote this down. The spot where Psychosis goes to do the springboard from the top rope to the outside of Malenko slipped on the rope and ragdolled to the outside. And I'm like, oh my God, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that hurt. Because I don't mean that he sprung board, you know, and missed. I mean, he never got the springboard. Nah, he whoop. He went to jump off the rope and never jumped, just slipped and went. <laughs> yeah, face first into a uh, guardrail. Yeah. That had to hurt. Um, Malenko, that, I don't know, that insane single leg crab submission thing that he. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that was, but that looked like it hurt. Oh yeah. Uh the butterfly suplex power bomb into a Texas clover leaf, which was a beautiful spot. That was nice. I'm like that's it. But nope, psychosis got the rope. Um, and Linko was working the leg the whole match. Uh psychosis hit a pump handle brack pump handle backbreaker, which was pretty. Uh, he had a corkscrew senton to the floor, which was that one he didn't miss. Thank mm. God. Uh, oh, the, yeah. He had the Frankensteiner. Dean Malenko got a small package. It's kind of cut him off a little bit. Um, Dusty goes, I could have been a cruiserweight. Brain goes, no, your parents wouldn't let you wrestle at six years old, six months old. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. That was just perfect. Perfect. I could have been a crew the weight, baby. Uh, no, Dusty, your parents wouldn't let you wrestle at six months old. <laughs> and if you kids don't know, Dusty rode to the big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ate his Wheaties. <laughs> the whole box, baby. Um, uh, they D Malenko goes for a tombstone. Psychosis reverses it to his own tombstone. Oh, nope, but Dean Malenko reverses it back into his and hits the pop tombstone. Then he hit him with a back, that backstabber roll-up thing. So I love that move. Yes. And gets him one, two, three, Malenko wins. This was okay. Mm-hmm. This wasn't as good as the Ultimo Dragon Ray match. Because at first, I thought maybe we could put this on first. And looking at it now, I wish we kind of would have because the crowd was hot for anything, and now they're dead. Maybe could have woke them back up. Yep. But again, this was the crowd still out of it. They're dead in this. They didn't care. They're done. But this was good. The psychosis flopping to the outside kind of stopped the, the momentum a little bit, and that was scary, really yeah. scary. But I'm... Um, I like this. It was good. wasn't great. It was it was somewhere between good and okay, and that's what I gave it. I gave this a B minus. That's a B minus. That's not too bad, honestly. Like compared to the other cruiserweight match of the night, um, wasn't quite as good in my opinion. And it was like you said the same thing there. Like I mean, honestly, like yeah, Ultimo and Ray. That was just it was a good match. Um, this one wasn't terrible either though so i mean don't get me wrong it was still a pretty good match um and i think with this one at least 
like you said, by this point, the crowd was not into it. And it didn't really help, in my opinion. Like, it kind of took a little while before things started to kind of pick up. And it was different between Ultimo and Ray when that happened because at least, I don't know, it just seemed the dynamic was different, I guess you could say, compared to this one. I think with Ultimo and Ray, it started slow and slowly, you know, and then started picking up, picking up like a like a snowball rolling down a hill. Mm-hmm. Got a little more, got a little more. This was started slow, get a little fast, and when Malenko take back over, slow back down. Mm-hmm. Psychosis to get something to be bad, and slow back down. It was just a little start and stoppy, herky jerky. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. And I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it. It's like. I get it, but at the same time, it's like the styles clash a little too – it's a little too harsh, I think, because Malenko is a smaller guy, but at the same time, when I think cruiserweight, or I'm sure when most people think cruiserweight, they think like Lucha style, like Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, La Parca even though Laparca could easily been a heavyweight compared to the other cruiserweights. But anyway. Psychosis ain't that small. I was like, yeah, I mean, Psychosis is pretty tall as well. So it's like, I mean, he's a pretty big dude too. But yeah, like, you know, you think of guys like that when you think of the cruiserweight division. I mean, that's no disrespect to Dean Malenko. Because like I said, he's just a small guy. But he's a very technical wrestler versus these guys who are more high flyer, kicky flippy type guys, you know? And I think we've said it. If Dean Malenko was six inches taller or four inches taller, we'd be talking about him as one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. Oh, yeah, hands down. Hands down. And, I mean, it definitely shows in his work. You can see it, you know. <laughs> it would have been amazing to see him in that role. Uh, the what-ifs of the world. Anywho's it. Um, yeah, long story short, in my opinion, I mean, it wasn't quite as great as that match between Ultima Dragon and Rey Mysterio, but it was still a really good match. Um, I gave this one a B. No problem with that at all. No problem with that at all. Yeah, it, like I agree with everything you just said. B, B minus. We're right there. I just mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like this one as much as the first one. Um, just a little herky jerky, like I said. The crowd's dead. I was a little ready to be done with it, but of course I knew what the next match was because I knew the only thing left on the card, and I wasn't looking forward to it. Hmm. What was next? Well, next was a geometry lesson. There just happened to be belts on the line. What? What is he talking about? Talking about that triangle match, of course. Triangle tag team match for the WCW World Tag Team Championship, which featured your tag team champions, Hall and Nash, a.k.a. the Outsiders, taking on Jerry Sags and what is his name? Brian. Knobs and Sags. I always forget. I always get them mixed up. Knobs and Sags, aka the Nasty Boys, versus Ming and the Barbarian, aka the Faces of Fear, complete with Jimmy Hart. Um. So okay, the Outsiders, I believe it was, came to the ring first, followed by the Nasty Boys, who decided to clear the ring out real quick before Faces of Fear even. I don't even think they hit the curtain yet. They didn't even get music yet. 
<laughs> I wrote that, yeah. Yeah, and so they finally make it to the ring, and outsiders kind of step back, let the nasty boys and faces of fear beat the crap out of each other. Which made no sense. <laughs> right. Well, shoot, then again, it made perfect sense to me. You think about it, let these two, let these two teams sire themselves out. Well, it didn't make sense for the uh, look at the faces of fear. Why did they run in? You got the nasty boys running in, fighting the outsiders. I would have stood there with a like the Michael Jackson popcorn going. Good point. Like, yeah, nope. y'all go ahead and beat the crap out of each other real quick. We'll just we'll clean up. No worries. Talk uh, about Jimmy's golf game. I don't know anything. Yeah, and uh, to uh, quote Dusty Rhodes here, there was a lot of clubbering going on, baby. <laughs> and clubbering indeed there was <laughs> yeah this was not a technical match oh no this was a this was an all-out brawl <laughs> like considering the teams involved you weren't going to see a lot of technical stuff in this match because <laughs> i don't think any of these men i would consider technicians in the ring per se um literally everyone involved in this match was a brawler and it showed and honestly, that's kind of what made it entertaining for me because it was literally six men beating the crap out of one another, and it was great. Um, it was a um, – what happened? I think it was, yeah, Knobs uh, ended up in the outsider's corner there for a little while. I bet that had to hurt. Because <laughs> a Hall and Nash are not small men by any means. Nope. <laughs> So uh, later, a little later in the match here, well, not much later than that, we get Scott Hall kicking Barbarian repeatedly in the head, which pretty sure all that did was just make, like, wake him up. Just kind of yeah. like, oh, hey, hey, hello. <laughs> Let's not play kick the Tongan in the head. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, didn't really help Scott Hall's case, considering both Ming and the Barbarian beat the mess out of him until the Nasties get thrown back into the ring. <laughs> And uh, we get a pile driver on Barbarian, which only got two. Nash gets tagged in, hits Barbarian with a side slam. Hall gets beaten up by the faces of fear yet again. Poor Barbarian took a lot of bumps in this match. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was in there looking at this. I'm like, everybody just beat the crap out of the Barbarian through this whole thing, it feels like. So, uh, a little later on here, we get uh, Nobs and Ming in the ring, and they decide, oh, we're going to do what always happens in these uh, multiple tag team tag matches. We're going to tag two of the same guys, which is funny because the same thing literally happened to Ming and Barbarian, but I guess that didn't happen, so just forget I said that. And if you watched it, just ignore that part. Yeah, because they kind of went, wait, what? And we'll tag somebody else. <laughs> yeah. And... So the same thing happens again, this time with Hall and Nash. And everybody's like, oh, what's going to happen? Ooh, ooh these, they could pin each other right now. Walk out the champs. And it's like, I don't feel like that's a thing, but it could be. We get to see something that we've never, ever get got to see before in history. Probably really? never saw it before afterwards. Yep. I don't mean to jump in front of you and step on your toes here. Oh, you're good. Kevin Nash willingly laid down for somebody. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It took his own tag team partner to do it, but he finally laid down for somebody. <laughs> willingly. 
<laughs> Pretty sure when they were putting this match together, and said, "All right, we're gonna have this spot where you're gonna lay." Whoa, hold on, what? No, just let me finish. You're gonna lay. No, wait a minute, hold on there. You're gonna lay down. Shut up. No, let me finish. <laughs> it's only gonna be a two count. Oh, okay, what? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, that happens, and it gets broken up, obviously. By the time I think both teams realize, oh crap, we need to do something about this. <laughs> oh goodness. It's kind of funny that Nash is the one that laid down, considering you know what happens in about two years of some change, but or yeah. Poke. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking the whole time they did that. Poke. But yeah, so uh after that, match breaks down. Faces of fear go to the floor and beat up one of the nasty boys. Somehow Scott Hall gets Jimmy Hart's microphone and cracks knobs over the head with it. Followed by a jackknife powerbomb from Kevin Nash for the three count. Um, yeah, honestly, like I said earlier, man, this is a flat-out brawl. Like I said, I wasn't expecting a technical masterpiece. I wasn't expecting, again, an epic battle between tag teams, especially not a triangle match. Um, but I'll be honest with you, overall, I was impressed. Um, if you think about it, like the Nasty Boys, they're a tough tag team. Faces of Fear, they're a tough tag team. Like, they're tough guys. Uh, Hall and Nash played smart. Um, they basically did everything they needed to do. And once things broke down, they took full advantage of that. So, I mean, you got to give them props for that. Um, that being said, uh, honestly, I gave this match a B as well. All right. Yeah. No qualms with that. Actually, I'll, spo- I'll throw mine out there right now. I gave it a B plus. This match was better than it ever had any right to be. I, I, <laughs> going into this one, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, it can't be. I don't think it's going to be worse than the amazing French Canadians versus Harlem Heat. Right. It could have been. It could have been an absolute just cluster, but it wasn't. And even and remember, even though I gave the French Canadians Harlem Heat match a C minus, that was because of Sherry. That match got an F before that. Hmm. So, but know this, I still would have rather seen just a one on one match between any of these two, any of these three. Outsiders versus Faces of Fear. We're Outsiders versus Nasty Boys. Right. And they're growing on me. I'm not going to lie. I'm giving, as long as they're not facing public enemy and doing garbage, they're growing on me. So take that what you will. But, um, yeah, this – I like the spot where, you know, they tag the Outsiders in. It would have been better if they didn't do tag the Faces of Fear in earlier, um, if that was a oopsie or what. <laughs> Um, but like you said, this was just a brawl. There was not a whole lot of technical wrestling in this, and it shouldn't have been because none of these guys are known for that. Ming Barbarian are there just to beat the crap out of you. Now, knobs and Sags are there just to get the crap kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. And the NWO right now is untouchable, so you knew it was going to win. That was the there was never that was never in doubt. Oh no, not at all. But I gave this a B plus. And don't have really a whole lot of major gripes about it, except for we'll talk about this, and I've talked about it before. I know they do it now all the time, but the illegal tags. 
And I guess in this one, you kind of have to, you know, smacking somebody who doesn't want to be tagged in the chest or, or, but I can't stand that back slap tag, blind tag. It's lazy right. and doesn't have to happen. Well, with your partner. Now, if you're tagging somebody else, yeah, you can kind of get away with it because, you know, somebody's probably not going to tag you if they don't want to. So I kind of get that for story reasons, but in just a normal tag match, I hate the blind tag. That's fair. But B, B plus. All right. Remember when I told you we was going to talk about Christmas? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Christmas. So next is the, well, I don't know, Christmas. So Arnold, when you were little, did you ever have that package under the tree that you were just, and it's something you were just absolutely convinced it was that one thing you wanted? Yep. And like, oh, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. I can't wait Christmas morning. I'm going to open that up and you get to open it up and it's something else. Oh yeah. That happened a lot. I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you how stupid I was as a child. When I was little, I always wanted skis, snow skis. Don't know why we didn't live anywhere near like mountains or ski resort or anything. Never went skiing. Never been. I've never been, but I was convinced that this box had skis in it. And let me tell you how stupid my seven-year-old brain is. It was Monopoly. So apparently I thought my mom and dad either got collapsible skis or the world's smallest, but I was convinced that that box was skis. <laughs> and I'm 37 years old, 30 years later, my mother still makes fun of me for that. <laughs> as she should. But I was so convinced that that was skis. And I was the first box I opened and it was Monopoly. And even though, you know, I love board games and I, I love the present, not saying that I was ungrateful or anything, but I was disappointed immediately. Right. Now let's switch gears. I've told you that my favorite, I love battle Royals. I love the Royal rumble and it's my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this. I never saw world war three, a three ring 60 man battle Royal from WCW. And I was so excited to see this and i watched it and let me tell you what i still have never saw a world war three 60 man three ring battle royal nope. do you know why because for the love of god they did three split screens and you couldn't see anything no. oh so angry couldn't see anything triple split screen and they shot the damn thing from the camera floor on the camera up at the rings this was like helen keller trying to do a jigsaw puzzle (laughs) oh this was stupid not anybody not from the ring not from the booking not from who won it not any of that no problem with any of that. You couldn't see squat until the last 10 and they got in one ring and then they shot it normal. Yep. This should have been a 10-man battle royal and left the other 50 out of it. This was stupid. I'm sure the people in the arena loved it. <laughs> I'd but, say so. They got to see everything. But if you're like me, sitting at home, just paid mommy and daddy's 40 bucks to watch this 60-man battle royal, you didn't get to see squat. Nope. Nah. So dumb. Shoot it from the wide camera, the wide angle. 
Shoot it from anything other than the floor up at the ring. You... Oh! Oh, I was so mad. I got like five minutes into it, and I'm like, well, they're going to have to switch to another, or like probably not even that long, like a minute into it. And I'm like, all right, you can switch cameras now. I can't see anything. Not to mention, remember how we've talked about people had small TVs back then. So when they mm -hmm. did split screen, it wasn't even the full split screen. They had a bunch of stuff on the edges. Yep. So you couldn't see what you can't see with two. Well, now they add a third one. It's even smaller. This was bad. This was yeah. very, very bad. Like, I can't convey just how dumb this decision was. Yeah, as I don't really think they put two and two together in this one for that. Because, I mean, that's, to me, a production error. Oh, like, or, yeah. I get it. Obviously, you don't want to set up three different hard cameras. But at the same time, like something's got to give man like something's got to give put a camera in the ceiling shooting straight pointing straight down at it that would have made more sense mm -hmm. like look like the top like a top down twin stick shooter if you're a video game guy which yeah. i know you get that reference arnold but mm -hmm. but that may you could see something this when I'm saying you can't see anything, you couldn't tell. They were talking, and they would say, oh, somebody just got eliminated, and you couldn't see it because it was on the other side of the ring. Exactly. When I say they were on the floor, they were on the floor on one side of the ring, and if it didn't happen right there in front of you, you didn't see it. When I say they, and let's go ahead and talk about what we When I say they, they had three different commentary teams. They had six people on commentary all at the same time, which good for them. We had Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain on ring one. Ring two was Dusty Rhodes and Mike Tanay. Love that combination. <laughs> and the third team, Larry Zabisco, the living legend, Larry Zabisco, with everybody's favorite. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with everybody's favorite Paul Bearer knockoff, Lee Marshall. Oh, goodness. Best part of this match was when the NWO absolutely just whacked Lee Marshall for I don't care why. Made him baby faces in my eyes. All <laughs> right. But let's actually, what we can talk about in this match, there's not a lot because you couldn't see squat. So if you're watching this along, watching along with us, fast forward until you see him go to one ring. Yep. You missed nothing else. The NW, uh, I'll just tell you, the NWO stands in the corner and does nothing. <laughs> Until they get into the last ring. They do nothing, pretty much. Just sit there and scope out the competition, I guess. Uh, ben Wall and Sullivan start before they even get to the ring, so we get the Dungeon of Doom versus the figure, or figure four, four horsemen on the outside, and they fight off to the unknown parts of, I guess, parts unknown. Maybe they're going to find Taker. I don't know. Um, no, it was the Faces of Fear that took out Lee Marshall, not the NW. I'm sorry. It was Faces of Fear for some reason. <laughs> Don't know why, but great. Good for them. Uh, the NWO, the only thing they did is they blasted Disco Inferno. Love that spot. Yes. Um, I was writing who went out when, but then I realized I couldn't see it. And it didn't make a difference, so I'm going to skip through all that. Um, some people we saw, we saw Tony Rumble. 
Cyclope, uh, Laparca was there. Uh, Pez Whitley was there. Uh, Jimmy Graffiti. Um, uh, Dusty Rhodes twice kept referring to Big Ron Stud as Big John Stud. <laughs> um, American males eliminated each other, argue on the outside. That was funny. Yeah. Um, why are we still triple screen when they're all in one ring? Have no idea. Well, we got to see Bunkhouse Buck. Love that. If you don't know who Bunkhouse Buck is, he would be Mr. Jimmy Golden, another one of those famous Smoky Mountain alums. Um, so at the very end, we get one ring finally. Here's where we can talk about stuff. One side of the ring, we have the NWO, the Outsiders, Hogan, Six, and was Virgin there? Probably. I think Virgin was there. Um, on the other side, we get, I didn't write down everybody, but I know Luger, DDP, Ray, Mysterio. Uh, who else was there? Eddie Guerrero. Um, so it was, I, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to go through the five, but the NWO's on one side in one corner, WCW's on the other, and DDP's kind of in a neutral corner. Hmm. hmm. So the NWO and the WCW guys go at it. So who's DDP pick? He's already been fighting all night long with Eddie Guerrero. We should say that. He immediately goes after Eddie Guerrero, not the NWO. Put a pin in that <laughs> for another episode. Um, Giant got the one of the coolest eliminations I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> when he one-handed picked up Rey Mysterio and launched him out of the ring. And I mean... R. Kelly was singing in the background going, I believe I can fly. Beautiful. <laughs> Somebody caught him. I don't remember who. Somebody on the outside. Um, so all but all the WCW guys get eliminated. Except mm -hmm. for one. Mr. Lex Luger. So we get NWO versus Luger. Luger starts tossing them out one by one. And it's down to him. Haw. No, he threw Haw. It was him, Nash, and the Giant. He knocks Nash down, gets the Giant on the corner, and like we talked about last week, are they preparing to get Luger to rack the Giant? Yes, they are because he did it. Yep. He racks the Giant, 400 pounds. Now, he, he, didn't even, he picked him up from the top rope. He didn't pick him up off the ground from a standing. You know, how he does the one where some people are thinking, but still. Luger is a big, strong man. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, okay, that's when they knock. Okay, Hall and them haven't been eliminated yet. They're just down. Well, they knock the giant down. But there goes Hall, there goes Six, and then Luger rashes Nash. And I think he did get him from standing, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he got Nash standing, and he's standing in the corner, and he is he's got him in the rack. Here comes the giant, pushes Luger and Nash both out, and wins it. <laughs> I love the finish. 
Giant mm-hmm. wins. So now they're like, well, does Giant get the title shot versus Hogan? Hmm. We'll see. If we're just going, this whole thing was a cluster because of the camera. And I can't grade it not based on that. But if I'm going off just the 10 man, 10 men in the, the final ring, this was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant booking, brilliant execution. Wonderful. We got to see a grown man palm another grown man. And another grown man pick up and carry on his back a much, much larger grown man. Mm-hmm. Loved it. This was the last 10 would have got an A, A plus for me. It's too mm-hmm. bad the first two, the first 75, 80% of this match, I couldn't see it. Right. And it got an F minus. So I averaged them out. <laughs> no, it literally got an I was going to give negative points for this if it would have. But, and the disappointment factor, I've been looking forward to this for weeks now because I never saw one and I still haven't. But I love the finish but I just can't, I didn't get to see it. Didn't get to see what I was told. I was sold a false bill of goods. Yep. This gets a D, which that's being generous. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Very generous. I will say that it was kind of funny watching um, basically like, I think it was uh, Nash and the Giant like, straight up attack William Regal and like dump him out of the ring. That was funny. Yeah. Or, excuse me. Lord Stephen Regal. Lord Stephen Regal. That was hilarious. Um, I just wanted to throw that in there, but yeah, like my thing is like at the start of this from, yeah, like I said, from a production standpoint, I don't think it was really all that well thought out personally. Cause it's like, like you said, I mean, on average TVs were definitely smaller than they are nowadays. So we're looking at three rings on a triple screen with six dudes trying to talk. And we're just getting little snippets of, oh, you know, random jobber number six got eliminated. This guy got eliminated. And yeah, it was like you said, it didn't really become like a match until, yeah, the last few guys were left in the ring. And even then, it didn't really get super exciting until it was just Nash, Luger, and the Giant left. Um it kind of cracked me up though with the end there after the match was over. Because I mean, because of the way that Luger and Nash got eliminated, like if you notice the uh giant, it seemed like he was like kind of looking trying to look over to check on Nash to see if Nash was okay, which understandable. I mean, he took a pretty nasty fall. Not in the same way, like uh, is he good? <laughs> You can kind of see it in the giant looking down. He's just kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that. But yeah, it was just, uh, it was like you said, it was a cluster overall. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure the crowd watching there in Norfolk got a pretty good kick out of that. Personally, I, did not pay attention at all until everyone was in one ring and they could actually use the heart camera. So, uh, yeah, I was a little more generous, but not much more generous. Uh, I gave it a D plus. Yeah, not much, but so I just did a little bit of 
30 second while you were talking. Sorry, I didn't I heard a little bit of that, but I was looking oh, no up worries. I was looking up doing some Google research, the average TV size at the time. The average TV size in uh, 1997 was 26 inches. That's average. Mm-hmm. Now they had, you know, 50 inch big giant TVs, but you got to think back then those were two over $2,000. So oh, so those were expensive. Yeah. I, I saw from the time I was born up until flat screens become a thing. I saw one of them. I and think our, I've only seen one massive big screen. And this would have been about the, that time because mm-hmm. I remember playing, I remember playing the super Nintendo, super Mario world. And I remember Mario being like eight inches tall and I was losing my mind. See, the first game I ever played on a giant TV like that was Mortal Kombat Trilogy for the PS1. Yeah. Jeez Louise, it was massive. Yeah, I saw one. So not a lot of people have them. Most no. people had, we'll say, 26 inches, the average. 26 divided by three, I'm bad at math, would be about eight point something. Yeah, give or take. So as we said, this screen... The three triple screen didn't even take up the whole screen. So instead of eight inches, we'll we'll take another two inches off of it. Each screen may have been six inches tall. Six inches tall. (laughs) You're sitting what? In your living room? Yep. Ten feet away? Yeah, you ain't going to see much. That means a screen is smaller than a size of piece of paper. Sit 10 feet away and tell me you want to watch that. <laughs> Just saying. DD Plus, we're right there. So that was World War III 1996. Started off good with a massive letdown. But overall, it was still a good show. I mean, you take that tag team. Canadian Canadian tag team and the World War Three match out of this probably is getting solid B plus if not yeah probably B plus maybe yeah probably B plus for me but when you add in the other two things it goes down pretty good um, this show gets a B minus for me it was good just massive letdown there at the end especially for me because. You know, that's my thing. I really like, I love tag teams. I love battle Royals and Royal Rumbles. And this was a role. This was a battle Royal with a gimmick. Mm-hmm. just like the Royal Rumble. B minus. I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, I get that. Trust me. Yeah, I totally get that. Cause I'm actually in the same boat. The simple fact that, yeah, this pay-per-view started off hot it started off hot and it's like you get all that build up and for what you get all that build up to the last few matches kind of being and to cap it all off especially if you're watching at home excuse me to cap it all off you get stuck on your tiny tv trying to decipher what's going on in three little teeny tiny squares until suddenly it goes big screen you're like whoa what happened and remember i'm watching on a 70 inch tv 
and I can't, I, I'm sitting and I can't tell what's happening in three little squares. Mm-hmm. Right. So when they're six inches square, it's ridiculous. But sorry, I interrupted there. Oh, no, you're good. I mean, I was like, no, nah, you're exactly right, though. It's like, because I mean, the TV I have in my living room is a 42 inch or something like that. And I mean, that would have been amazing back in the day. But I mean, it's amazing now, even. But um, at the same time, like, yeah, and like I'm sitting on my couch trying to watch that. And I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on until the last few men were in the ring, in the one ring. And by that point, it's kind of like, I'll be honest with you, for the most part, I kind of lost interest. Yep. And it's like, oh, the giant one. Cool. Is he going to face Hogan for the belt? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But it was just. I don't know. It was it was a tough call there. But other than that, I mean, generally, overall, I did enjoy this pay-per-view. Um, might have had to apologize to mommy and daddy for wasting their money on the main event. But <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I got a kick out of the other matches that were involved. So overall, I mean, I gave this one a B minus. Like, it wasn't a terrible pay-per-view. Like, it'd be different if it was just like, this is your show. It's just a 60-man battle royale, and we got to try to decipher storylines and all that craziness. Um, we did get to see some of those moments when they happened, like, you know, with DDP and Eddie Guerrero, you know, things like that. We saw all those little things, and that was kind of funny to see that because you see that in the Royal Rumble even now. Um, but, yeah, overall, I mean, I'd go back and watch it. I mean, I did, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, just a disappointment there at the end. Bad planning. Again, mm-hmm. if you're in the audience, probably was pretty good. If you're sitting at home, you got screwed. Big the time. Nor- this was the Norfolk screw job. <laughs> okay, not really. Not really, but B minus is all around. I think we're good. Mm-hmm. If, and I just want to just a small i hope this doesn't take too long i want to tell you you, you talk about you know you watch this and i've been watching i got this thought yesterday i was watching something for a future review and i it hit me all of a sudden you know for the first time in probably five almost five years i'm enjoying watching wrestling again mm-hmm. it, i used to watch it like i would watch like the pay-per-views and nxt back in you know 17 8 2017 2018 but and i liked it don't get me wrong but i kind of watched out of habit if that makes sense i get that i actively right now am finding myself wanting to watch the next one wanting to know what happens even if i know what happens wanting to see it again Mm -hmm. or see it for the first time even if i know what happens so, folks, if you're at home, watch along with us. Trust me, you'll enjoy it much better than what's on today. Now, there's some good stuff, don't get me wrong. But from top to bottom, what we're watching now, I think, is a lot better than what's on TV now. I'm inclined to agree with that. Even though we just lambasted that pay-per-view, but still. Could you imagine what we'd do if we watched like a modern-day pay-per-view? gave grades 
that may just have to happen in the future just to see what happens. Like, watch it cold, not watch anything beforehand. Just watch and go, Ugh. see how bad it is and put this in perspective. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if, if you're watching along with us, tell us about it. Tell us, hey, we're watching. We're watching every week with you. Or, you know, we might watch occasionally and then listen to your review for something we missed. No problem with that. Or maybe you're just listening to us and don't want to watch it. And you're a grumpy old curmudgeon. I like that word. Um, but if you do want to tell us, you can shout us out on Twitter and Instagram at AEWR pod. Or you can write us a lengthy email if those pesky character limits just aren't your thing. And you can send it to AEWR. 316 at gmail.com. Tell your friends about us. We're on all the all the podcasting platforms. And final thoughts on this pay-per-view for me. I liked it. Disappointment at the end. That's one sentence. Fair enough. Uh, as far as final thoughts go, really I'm in the same boat. Do better for World War Three ninety seven, please. Wouldn't that be World War Four? Well, that does it for us today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that because I mean, well, maybe at the end, to- maybe at the end they just called a peace treaty and then they'll re- restart the war. Yeah, that's all. This is just a ceasefire right now. Yeah, until next year. Yeah. <laughs> That about does it for us here today. Yeah, that about does it for us here today. Ladies and gentlemen, and that was WCW World War III from November 24th, 1996. I have been Arnold, who apparently has the vocal cord of the gods. And he, that man over there, that handsome man with a shirt, and his glasses and his headphones. Okay, now you're describing things you see. Take us home. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my wall. I'm in a ring. Touche. Got to break the walls down. Ooh, sorry. Oh, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, was the heavenly voice of the big Drewski. You're reigning, defending undisputed armchair book of the year and also your 2021 one of your 2021 armchair book of the year finalists speaking of drew any words for our good friend gary we'll get it on the next one we're running long hey that works for me brother i've been arnold he's been drew we're staring up at the lights one two three coming for you gary Peace.